Howdy, this is Cena Nader. I'm head of partnerships at FTX US, and this is one-on-one with ADC Partners. Hi, this is Dave Helmy of ADC Partners, and in this episode, we're talking cryptocurrencies. But I guess who isn't talking about crypto these days, right? I mean, crypto is the future. Crypto is over. What the heck is crypto? While we might debate what's in store for crypto companies, one thing that's undeniable is the impact they've had on sports marketing. Crypto firms have been everywhere in sports, running Super Bowl ads, renaming arenas, partnering with athletes. Seems like every time you went to watch a game, there was another crypto company. And then the bottom appeared to fall out of the market. So what's next for crypto companies and sports? How are their sports marketing strategies changing? Are they even looking for new opportunities? To help us answer these questions and more, we're talking with Sina Nader, head of partnerships for FTX US. Now, FTX has been one of the most active and visible crypto businesses in sports, partnering with leagues, athletes, facilities, colleges, and more. We're going to dive into his history with crypto and where he sees things headed, both in terms of the industry and their partnerships in sports. But first, we need to discuss his college football career. All right, Cena, let's begin first and foremost. We're going to get into all the crypto stuff. And, you know, it's all like it's it's crazy time in the industry. It's fascinating. And I really am interested. And as I know, everybody else who's listening is interested in your perspective on this. But we got to begin with what might be the best origin story in sports I've ever heard of in my entire life, because um, I don't know if many people know, but you are a division one athlete. You were a university of California, Berkeley, uh, golden bear football player. Um, you were not recruited. And so your, your path is not one of what might be called the typical uh, student athlete. So can you share a little bit about what that experience life and how it all started with your I think it was your sophomore year roommate. That's right. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the, on the show. I'm looking forward to this. Um, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So I went to school as just every other student, just, you know, go there, take my classes, try to get good grades. Well, some of us did that in our college experiences, but okay. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, so, so then, yeah, sophomore year, um, right before the school year started, you know, we'd all moved in, getting ready for the school year. My roommate guy named Dalian, he kept saying, hey, Cena, you should come out and watch practice, like, just for fun. And I'm like, well, why, why would I? Do? I don't understand. Like, <laughs> As <what>? you do. <laughs> yeah. So after like two or three times, he, you know, two, two or three different days, he asked, and I finally went. And I was the only person on the football practice field that had no business at all being there. <laughs> it was in the stadium too, yeah, right? So above the stadium is Strawberry Canyon, they call it. There's a yeah. different field. Um, and um, you know, I wasn't a coach. I wasn't a trainer. I wasn't a player. I wasn't the water boy. I was just some random dude who loves to watch football practice. Apparently. And, you know, so I saw the coaches kind of like looking at me and kind of like motioning over like, who's that guy talking sort of like this. And I was like, oh boy, you know, I should probably just leave. I gotta get out yeah, of here. Cause I, I thought they're going to ask me to leave. And I, for some reason I decided to just stay and, you know, make them ask me to leave, I guess. Uh, and uh, a war sure of enough, wills. Yeah, exactly. And then sure enough, one of them started sort of walking over to me and I'm like, oh boy, here it comes. And uh, the guy kind of comes up to me and says, hey, um, you go to school here? And I was like, yep. And he says, you know, 
do you, you go to school here? Are you, you know, enrolled at the university? I'm like, do you want to see my ID card? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a student here. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Where do you live? I'm like, oh, right here, down here at Clark Kerr. He's like, here at Clark? I'm like, yeah, do you want to come see my room? Like, I'm a student here, believe me. Come hang out after practice. Exactly. And and once he was sufficiently, he believed me, uh, uh, then he's like, you know, you're, you're a pretty big kid. Uh, you play any football? And I was like, all right. So for perspective, because everybody sees you right now from the shoulder, how, how big on are a you? good day, I'm six, four, six, three, six, four, something like that. Okay. Uh, and you know, it's probably call it two forty five ish, something like that. Uh, uh, different composition of, you know, muscle to fat back then, but you know, it's another story, <laughs> but yeah, you know, they had me come back and he said, you know, why don't you wear some athletic clothes and come back tomorrow? And so I'm he invites you back to practice the next That's day. exactly right. He was, he, I, I later found out he was the head trainer at the time, this guy named Medusa. Uh, I, I, actually, I don't even remember his real name. Everybody just called him Medusa. That is, that is not, you do not want that name on a personal trainer or a professional trainer. Good God. It's terrifying. Anyway, so Medusa comes up and says, come back the next That's day. right. And a uh, great guy. And uh, yeah, I, I came back the next day and the coaches, they had me, you know, run there, jump here, spin there. Drop Did you have there. any idea what you um, were doing? Approximately zero. Okay. Somewhere um, around zero. Yeah. I mean, I played, I, I, briefly joined the high school football team for like two weeks but then i i quit that because i had an opportunity to take a class at the local university which is actually uc santa cruz and so for me the question was okay athletics or academics and it was always academics so i was like guys sorry i, I gotta quit the team I, I, I can go take a class at the university and get like you know um, take is, a class there. That is not my high school experience, but anyway. <laughs> so, so I, I literally had like two weeks of, of, you know, football quote unquote experience, uh, at a, at a high school level, at a high school level. And now you are doing drills for division one pack 12 pack 10 back in those days, football program. And That's they, right. they took a look at you and said, perfect. They said, you know, after they had me do these drills, they're like, all right, why don't you go back there? We're going to fit you for some pads and uh, welcome to the team. Are you kind of looking around like, am I being punked? So is somebody going to jump out from behind a tree with a camera? I mean, I literally accidentally ended up on the football team. I, it was absolutely not my intention. Completely. All the other walk-ons are like, screw that guy. Like, who, who is this guy? Uh, and yeah, I mean, then I was in the locker room with guys like Andre Carter, Tolly Bantacane. Like guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. Guys that went on and won, won exactly. Super Bowls and yeah, some really impressive guys. And uh Best experience of my life. I wouldn't trade it for anything. My GPA suffered a little bit, eh. but yeah, exactly. <laughs> eh, you know, whatever. I mean, then the next thing you know, you're running out the tunnel and there's 60,000 fans sitting around looking at you. Well, really. of course. They're uh, so excited. <laughs> <laughs> and did you play the rest of your time at Cal or was that just the one year and I, it was a great experience? No, no, it's even weirder story maybe. So I, I was on the team sophomore year. My GPA was like going, you know, down the toilet so much. I'm like, you know what? I should probably like get back to academics. So I walked off the team for junior year, but then my friends were convincing me like, Hey, Cena, maybe you could go to the NFL. So you should give it another shot. So then oh I walked God. back onto the team after another tryout. <laughs> so I, I literally walked onto the football team twice. If you can believe it, you are the world's first two time walk on. <laughs> it is absurd and bonkers, but that is the truth. Well, I mean, it's, it's a rough segue, admittedly, but I mean, it's kind of an interesting segue into what then became your professional career because, you know, you sort of start in one direction and you pivot into this just fascinating world of, of cryptocurrencies and crypto exchanges and everything like that. And I kind of want to, because before you were in crypto, you were in sleep science 
for a bit. Yep. And you did some investment banking. But I want you, if you can, can you think back to the moment where you first kind of learned about cryptocurrencies and thought, oh, that's that's something and I that I want to be a part of. What was what was that moment? What what was it about it that really made you go, aha? So it's interesting. I was at uh, you know, on Wall Street, um, 20, or, sorry, 2007, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, and toward the tail end of that, I did hear whispers of this thing called Bitcoin and this like electronic money or something, but totally went in one year out the other, didn't pay attention. I wish I would have. And then in 2013, this cousin of mine, who's a little bit out there, uh, said we've to all, me- We've all got those cousins. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, you know, hey, Cena, you need to check out this Bitcoin thing. And I'm like, okay, sure. And but I actually did. And I started looking at it. And I was intrigued. Um, and, you know, I'm not a technical person. So I don't know how to read the code and understand if it's legit. So I called up some friends and got in touch with some friends that are. Uh, and they're, you know, each one of them looked at it. And they're like, wow, this is actually pretty interesting. And um, so that I once I had some computer scientist buddies kind of confirm my hypothesis that this was fascinating, I sort of tripped and fell down the rabbit hole. And then eventually I arrived at this you know, realization for myself that if I'm understanding this correctly, it could represent the antithesis to Wall Street. And was that important to you at this point? Was it like, okay, well, you, you've been in Wall Street and you've sort of seen it from the inner workings. And was that I've heard this before, right? There's a bit of a collective bomb throwing at Wall Street, like wanting to change, I hate the word, but here it comes, paradigm a little bit about investing and money and how it goes about it. Was that a conscious decision on your part? You saw that as something, as an opportunity? A hundred percent. So okay. in, in Wall Street, I mean, they talk about this thing called the principal agent problem. Um, and that there's there's some principal that has the money, and then there's the agent that is acting on behalf of that principal, right? Mm -hmm. So typically, you've got the client and the bank. Oftentimes, those incentives are not necessarily properly aligned, and sometimes they're actually antithetical. So, like something that's good for the bank might actually be bad for the customer. I wonder who's going to take priority in that situation. Bingo. Now, so that that's a fundamental thing, right? And so crypto. You know, it, again, I was thinking to myself, if I'm understanding this correctly, it actually puts the power in the individual, in the user's hands, and you can kind of become your own banker. Uh, and when that sort of thought started to tantalize me, I, I, it was done. Like I, I was like, I was, I was all in. Yeah. So, so that scratched an important itch for you. It was this yep. is going to change the way, or can change the way finance and commerce and money work, and exactly. is going to. I mean, revolutionize it, but it's going to make it accessible to people. So we get around that problem, the principal and the agent problem that we talked yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. That was my initial like entry point. And then as I got deeper, I started to realize, oh, wow, you can do like a lot of other things with this. It's not just Wall Street, by the way. You can start talking about content generally. How is music content delivered? How is your video and other entertainment sort of content delivered to you? And then medical records and all kinds of so insurance. it really just starts to open up like a flower almost you start to that, see all yep. the different little leaves and petals and things like that that come imagine up. in the pre-internet world where you had no concept of something called the internet and then you wait a minute there was a time before the internet yeah, everybody if, if kids are listening cover your ears because that's going to <laughs> that's going to be shocking exactly <laughs> well exactly and if you can imagine that transition period where people started to like tiptoe into the internet waters and be like oh okay i can go and look up 
I don't know, the weather. And then, oh, maybe I can talk to my friend who's also online. And oh, I can also share a picture with my friend. And oh, I can like, you know, or organize community events. And it just starts just, to unspool. That's it. Okay, so do this for me. We've talked a little bit about crypto. And I think I'm probably like a lot of people who know just enough about cryptocurrencies to be dangerous. So in order to kind of set the stage about you and where FTX fits into this whole thing, can we do a quick, just explain cryptocurrencies in 60 seconds, if you could. (laughs) If you can give us like just the high level, hey, here's what a cryptocurrency is, here's what FTX does, and here's my role, if you could. Sure, cryptocurrencies are a way to communicate value. And so you can store wealth there, Um, you can use it to transact, uh, and you can also use it to do a number of other types of transactions, everything from just buying something with it, uh, uh, online, uh, to actually, you know, uh, programming in the ability to have certain money transfers happen if another event happens. In other words, you know, if I present the money to you, then the title for your house comes to me automatically. These types of things can be done. Um, so it's basically a, a, an upgraded way to do commerce and business. That's sort of the, the, the short, the, the easy way to talk about it. There's other things too, like in terms of art and music and other things that can be delivered more efficiently um, uh, via sort of blockchain technology. Um, but Which is integral to the whole piece, the blockchain. Definitely, yeah. So, so the blockchain was invented because Bitcoin needed a way to keep track of who had how many Bitcoin. Okay, for ownership. It's made able to declare ownership. Exactly. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, all we really want to know is how many Bitcoins does Dave have in his wallet and when, and how many does you know, Cena have and when? Not as many as I used to, but that's part of the process. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's really all the blockchain is. It's a way to keep track of who owns what. Okay, and what's FTX's role in this mix? So we're a platform that enables you know, transactions between parties. Um, so we're a marketplace. Um, you can come to buy and sell crypto assets. You can come to buy and sell NFTs. Um, we're offering stocks uh, uh, pretty, you know, pretty soon here uh, in the U.S. Um, and That's then interna- Yep. And then internationally, we have a whole set of other uh, products and features as well. Um, and I should say that these are two, we have two separate entities. Uh, there's FTX International, which is not available to U.S. customers. And then we have FTX U.S., which is open to everyone, basically globally, uh, except for U.N. sanctioned countries. Okay. Um, that being said, um, you can think of us as a one-stop shop for any of your crypto and NFT needs. Uh, and then ultimately, what we're looking to do is to be your one-stop shop for all your financial needs, period. So very good. So if, if me, Dave Helmy, wants to take my uh, U.S. hard old world currency and transform that into Bitcoin, FTX is the pathway through which I can buy, whether it's, uh, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Ethereum, whether it's Dogecoin, whether it's, and I know, obviously I'm not advocating for any of this, anybody right now, but you know, all those different pieces, whether NFT arts, anything that has a digital construct to it, FTX can be the pathway with which to acquire trade transact. Fair enough. That's it. God, I feel like, oh my God, I'm like that. That was that moment in the movie old school where Will Ferrell does the debate and it came out of it like it was in a, like a <laughs> kind of black hole kind of thing. <laughs> Used up every last brain cell head on that one. All right. So we have the conduit now through which people can transact um, anything that they want to do related to uh, 
cryptocurrencies and all related and soon to be traditional uh, stocks and in transactions. So that's the growth curve that FTX US sees itself currently on. And obviously, given your role, partnerships have played a huge part of this. There has been some pretty significant and high profile relationships that um, that you put together in order to help build awareness and acceptability to that. Can you give a little insight into why sports played such a significant role, what it does for FTX, what it does for the site? Why is it such an important part of the strategy? It come, almost seems like coming out of the totally. game. Totally. Well, so when I joined, I, I think it was the first uh, full-time US hire, but I was brought on, my, my title initially was COO, uh, and then we had another uh, uh, colleague join as president and you know, so, but we're, we're a very flat structure. We don't sort of think of that, think of hierarchy in those sort of ways. Got it. Um, I mean, our CEO will answer customer support tickets, you know, if and when needed. So we're, we're, we're super. Everybody's doing everything. Startup mode. Exactly. But yeah, so I joined and I sort of took a look around and I'm like, you know, we have a pretty good product. It, it works pretty well. We have the deepest liquidity in the US. Um, we have, a, you know, everything's like ready for prime time, um, but nobody's heard our name. <laughs> the quintessential marketing problem. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, so instead of focusing on operational details, which already seem to be in a pretty good place, why don't I shift gears and think about how to get more people to like know our name and, and hear about us? And what's the best way to do that? Well, you go where people are interested and where their passion is, right? Um, and I don't know many places where there's more passion than like sports. And so uh, basically, had a conversation with Sam, our CEO, uh, and started off with like just a very simple question, like, "Hey, do you think maybe we could get some like you know prominent athletes to write about a tweet about us maybe once a month and just talk about their experience using FTX?" And that was it. Um, and you were off to the races. That off to the races, um, and then kind of snowballed from there into you know a number of deals that we did with you know Tom Brady, Giselle, Steph Curry, the Warriors, all of Major League Baseball, um, FTX Arena, which is formerly uh, American Airlines Arena, um, and a number of other deals. Um, so all of this was in the spirit of just basically getting people to like hear about us. Um, and then so that ideally, you know, the end goal is that when they think about wanting to do stuff with crypto and NFTs, they think of FTX. Yeah. So were you doing partnerships and we'll call it more traditional advertising concurrently? Was one before the other? Had you tried other things? And where did they start to sort of fuse into one another? That's a great, yeah, great question. Um, I think we started off, well, the very first deal um, that we did was a deal that I put together with um, with Barstool Media, Bar, or Barstool Sports. And that was our first sort of national, you know, advertising sort of run. Um, and then we did a deal with Trevor Lawrence, uh, the number one draft pick in the NFL. And then that gave us sort of like ammunition or like something to talk about. And like, you know, we could do some ads around that. So we're able to use the content that those athletes and those people that you're, uh, you're partnering with in the content for the advertisements that you're, that you were going to be. Exactly. Using. And then that created sort of a virtuous cycle of like, oh, people are talking about us because of that. And then we, you know, run some campaigns around that. And then that opens up the door to do other partnerships and then sort of, you know, rinse and repeat. Yeah, I mean, it's such a fascinating point you make too. And it's one that I think we try to make all the time is that the reason why sports can be underscore can be so effective is that passion play people's eyeballs are already resting on it. And it sounds like using sports and the content that delivered right that passion play 
to inform the messages that you were creating did create that cycle, right? That it just starts yep. amplifying who it is and also the benefit of reaching an audience. I'm assuming that is pretty central to who it is you're trying to reach younger, probably a bit more male, a bit more technology comfortable, uh, a bit more open to trying new things, sort of building brand preferences and those kinds of things. So it just was in addition to be able to hit the passion play, it was all the strategic reasons why sports would make sense as well. Exactly. I mean, the Venn diagram of, you know, people who are interested in sports and people who are or could be interested in crypto, there's a lot of overlap there. Uh, and that was our sort of um, our hypothesis. And, you know, it turned out to be. Uh, a, a okay, so broad. the portfolio is pretty broad, right? I mean, you just mentioned several of them. You got Tom Brady and Giselle. We've got Steph Curry and you have colleges. I mean, you're, you're a partner of, um, of your alma mater, Cal. Um, we're yep. doing facility naming with um, FTX Arena in Miami. Where are you seeing some of the greatest successes to this point with all the different things that you're leveraging? I mean, you're on the sleeve of Major League Baseball umpire uniforms, for, for goodness sakes. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that you are looking at right now. What are the ones that stand out to you? It's like, wow, that, that's that been working super well, and we want to try to continue to amplify it. I mean, you mentioned baseball, and, and yeah, it's the sleeve and the chest, uh, and um, that—that's one that you know. I think we've been seeing some some pretty good mm. success with. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten pings from hedge fund managers or just finance people that are getting into crypto. They're like, "Oh my God, I just saw FTX like all over this, you know, baseball game." I get people sending me pictures that they're at the game and they see the FTX logo. Honestly, I love it. I mean, each time I'm like, "This is why we did it. That was great." Um, so, so yeah, baseball is fantastic. Um, the Warriors. Obviously, and, and, and Steph Curry turned out to be a, a really great partnership, as we hoped and expected, but it turned out to be really good. I mean, it just became sort of, you know, global champion, NBA champions. And then, you know, Tom Brady and Giselle are also another great example. Um, yeah, one of my favorite examples is um, this guy posted something on Twitter where he said, um, my mom came to me the other day and she said, I want to use that Tom Brady crypto <laughs> And to me, that says it all. Like, that's exact. Like, I'm like, thank you. You know, mic drop. Like, that, that was the it. reasons why you do these kinds of investments and these kinds of strategies is for the reason you just talked about. Exactly. She didn't necessarily know about crypto. She didn't necessarily know even our name, but she knew Tom Brady and she liked, loved, and trusted Tom Brady. And by golly, that's what she wanted to go. If she was going to do crypto, she's going to go with what he trusts and likes. And that's exactly what we're going for. Okay. And so, you know, like we talked about at the top, right, this, this has been a fairly turbulent time. I think it's fair to say for, for crypto and uh, all the related industries that are in there, like valuations are having some challenges and investors have lost some money and things like that. So I think, I think it's fair to say that there is a group of people out there who were never understood or value what crypto was bringing to the table. And they're kind of the, see, I told you so, people, right? Yep. Told you like this wasn't gonna last. So what are you telling existing partners that you have right now about this moment about, hey, yep, we know it's a challenging moment. This is why you shouldn't be concerned. Like what, what's, your, what's your message to your partners right now? So I wanna caveat this by saying, you know, none of this of course is investment advice. Um, but that being said, you know, the, the, the most insightful thing that I've heard, um, was something that our CEO, Sam Bankman fried said once, and that is that the technology hasn't changed here, right? So if you liked Bitcoin before, if you liked crypto generally before when the prices were rip roaring and going real high, well, this is that same technology still. So if you believe in that, 
you know, value proposition, that's still there. And in fact, that's alive and well, and, you know, uh, in some ways it's stronger than it's ever been. So that's, that's, that's one thing. The other thing is um, with any new technology, there's going to be uh, a learning period, there's growing pains, and there's still a lot of things that crypto as a general sort of ecosystem needs to improve on. So it does need to become more user-friendly. It's still a little bit tricky for people mm-hmm. to wrap their heads around it. Like I should be able to explain the concept of crypto to you even easier. There should be a visual graphic that I could just point you to, right? Um, so th- there's, there's a little bit of like making it user-friendly uh, and then making it more accessible to people. So there's that. And then there's just like it takes time for people to get familiar with stuff. So when the internet first came out, like, I mean, how, like, I don't know if you, if you remember what you were doing in 1994, but how often. I can't remember what I was doing last week, man. I mean, come on. (laughs) Well, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hazard a guess. You probably weren't going on the web every day. Probably not Um, here. Fair point. Right. And you probably, you almost certainly were not doing it on your phone because there was no smartphone back then. Right. But eventually things sort of got there and, and, and sort of in that, interim period, you have a lot of ups and downs. You had a dot-com crash, right? Um, where people were saying, oh, there's all these ridiculous companies. The and, internet is over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and this, I mean, they say history repeats or, or, or sometimes it rhymes. Yeah. This is exactly that. Well, it's also interesting to think like people were like, oh, housing market, that will always be fine. You know, you can never go wrong putting money in real estate. And then of course, 2008, 2009 happened. So that's right. Yeah. Well, I'm reminded of something that um, some economists, I think, said that, you know, in the short term, markets are inefficient, uh, but in the long run, they usually are efficient. So short term, you can expect volatility. Long term, things will approach equilibrium. But in the same way that, you know, there was like, you know, ridiculous thing dot com, you know, going public uh, uh, in like 2000, 2001. um, And then all that got washed out. And then what are you left with? Facebook, Amazon, Amazon. Google, yeah. Netflix, they did okay. real, well, they did okay financially, but they're real companies adding real value to people's lives. I, I suspect you're going to see the same thing here. Like, it's just, it's just a matter of time. Do you, is that the message you're giving to your partner? Do you have partners calling you and saying, hey, we're concerned about the volatility. Are you going to be okay to continue doing these partnerships? And how do those conversations generally go? Yeah, I mean, most of our partners are, are, are pretty familiar with, with you know, our, our sort of business standing, and they know that we're, you know, we're, we're feeling pretty comfortable and, and, and things are, you know, we're, we're actually grateful to be in the position that we're at, uh, because we think that there's a great opportunity to, to grow here. Mm-hmm. And we've already been acquiring some other companies. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if more of those types of things come out. Um, but, you know, there, we, we definitely have gotten a question or two, and we basically walk them through the same thing is that like, you know, this is par for the course. Uh, we're not terribly worried about it. In fact, um, we look at these type of, you know, uh, uh, what they call crypto winters as opportunities to, to grow and come out stronger. Yeah. So it is a hold the course, right? We've been here before. We've seen this, right? This is not anything. Uh, sports is part of our long-term investment strategy. We've already started to realize benefits associated with this, and that's what we're going to continue to do. What, what, are, what are you looking for from your partners? Now, are you looking for anything in particular uh, at this point, at this juncture in the sort of the history of crypto and the nature of these relationships? It's a great question. It's kind of an ongoing sort of conversation in, in terms of like what the what the right message is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, our, our, our sort of gut field at the moment is that there's probably a strong educational element here um, that we want to maybe focus on. And so this could take the form of like, 
helping people understand what crypto is and helping them understand you know, just general use cases for it and, and getting familiar with like the different sort of nuances um, and maybe, you know, utilizing some of our partners to help tell the story here. Like maybe, I don't know, Tom Brady wants to send some crypto to his cousin who's overseas and, you know, he just wants to do it as quickly as possible. Um, or maybe, you know, whatever, you know, fill in the blank, like sort of situation, just helping people understand how crypto can actually help them. There. And sort of the way that those properties can help you deliver that. Most of probably both delivering the message, but what are the practical applications that they can help bring to the table to test that out. I was I'm reminded of the previous podcast I did with Jason Pearl, of the San Francisco Giants, and he was talking about how clear the technology that you use to gain access at airports to speed through security. The Giants were the first application for clear outside of the airport environment because they had the idea that this could be a great use of a technology to help to relieve some of that fan friction of getting sure. into the ballpark. So who are those teams going to be or what are those properties going to be for you that help you? Hey, we've got these ideas about how this technology can be used. Help us do that. And it sounds like that's yep. going to be an important piece going forward. Yeah, for sure. And and so like, you know, there's also sort of this element of, you know, previously we were, you know, uh, looking to do a lot of sponsorship type of deals and, and we're so open-minded and, and looking for any great opportunities there. But now we're also kind of shifting into more of a true partnership-focused view. Yep. And, you know, that takes the form of, like, maybe you're the Golden State Warriors and you are, you know, you sell merchandise online. Well, maybe you want to be able to accept crypto payments, and maybe that's something we can help you do. Or maybe you, you want to, you know, deliver NFTs to your fans. Well, maybe that's something we could help you do as partners. Um, so basically link up arms and deliver to, to their fans, you know, uh, stuff that they want through the technology that we have. I, I really want to key in on a distinction that you made in that previous statement, because it's a really important one for, I think, people who are relatively new to sports and sports partnerships and sports businesses, the distinction between sponsorships and partnerships where yep. I kind of, can you, can you give your perspective on that? The distinction between what those two mean to you as someone who's investing in sports and what that, how that can unfold. Totally. I mean, so sponsorship to me is like, I mean, it's just sort of straightforward. Like, you know, we would like to have our logo on this sort of area of your building of your uniform of your whatever. Um, and uh, uh, in return for that, we will, gen we will give you this money or this value or whatever. And it, it's really about just putting, you know, putting the brand out there and sort of, you know, branding something. On the partnership side, it's a lot more, uh, I mean, it's that, that that's the end goal. That's one of the end goals. But the other end goal is to actually use the, the you know, your service offering or your technology. Um, and in our case, it's like, okay, well, we offer crypto trading. We offer NFT trading. We offer crypto payments uh, and a number of other things. Um, how do we actually deliver those to the, the the fans, the investors, the stakeholders of our partners in a mutually beneficial way? And then maybe we share the revenue on the back end, right? Um, I'll give you an example. You know, let's say there's a hypothetical technology platform that has a bunch of users, um, but they don't have crypto trading. Um, well. FTX can come in and provide the, the, the capability to trade crypto, and then we share the revenue that's generated from that with our partner. So we didn't have to necessarily sponsor them. We didn't have to pay them anything. They didn't have to pay us anything. We just share in the revenue going forward. I feel like it's such a key distinction for properties who are trying to be successful, not just with crypto 
companies and in that category. But with any category of business, when you can make the leap from just that sort of transactional sponsorship that you talk about, I'm going to pay you this amount of money for, for this logo there, that kind of stuff, to, yep. okay, how do we work together in a meaningful way so that you accomplish your goals and I accomplish my goals? When you can make that transition, when you can be that partner for a cryptocurrency, a, a clear or whoever, you elevate yourself significantly in the eyes of the people you do business with. Is that a fair point? Totally. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's literally win-win. I mean, everyone, if, if you do it right, your partner's winning, you're winning, and you, both of your customers and, and, and fans are winning. Yeah, 100%. So where do things in your mind go from here? All right. So is, you know, like we talked about, there's a bunch of things that you're doing. Is it foot off the gas a little bit on finding new partnerships? Is it, okay, let's coast for a bit and see what we got and see how it works? Is it, nope, we're in, we're looking for new opportunities. Is it a mix of all of the above? Where where do things currently stand from your perspective and when you're considering partnerships now? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're always, you know, looking to be opportunistic. And if, if something great comes along, you know, we're, we're fortunate to be in a position to be able to evaluate, you know, deals all the time. Um, so nothing is, you know, off the table. <clears throat> that being said, we are a bit more selective these days because we feel like we kind of already have a really, you know, nice portfolio of partners and uh, we're super grateful for all of them. And so the, the thing is like now, how do we sort of generate the most value for our partners, for ourselves, for our, for all of our collective customers and fans, given what we already have. And so we're, we're sort of more looking for things that are sort of pure partnership based where we can use our technology and sort of, you know, we view FTX as sort of a set of pipes um, that can have stuff flowing through it, whether it's crypto, NFTs, cash, stocks, whatever it is. How do we get more flowing through those pipes? Um, so any opportunity um, that comes along that would help us to, to, to do that, <clears throat> you know, we're looking at quite quite aggressively. But so, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not, I guess to answer your question, it's, it's all of the above. We're sort of, we're not exactly taking our foot off the gas. We're looking for more selective type of opportunities, but we're also opportunistic for any cool thing that comes along. Yeah, but this sounds like the nature of what you're looking for has changed a little bit, right? Where it was so much of it was, we need to get our name out there. We need to develop users. Yep. And those are not unimportant, but this is more about practical applications. And we want you to make people aware of the partnership. We want to make them aware of the partnership in a way that demonstrates usability, utility, yep. practical applications, and so forth and so on. So the, the properties that come to you should be considering that, right? It's, this isn't just, hey, I'm going to put your logo on the outfield. It's going to be, we're going to integrate into the financial operation of the team and, and what we do. Exactly. How can we help you guys accept crypto payments to sell your merchandise online? How can we help you use NFTs to do ticketing for your event or your events online? How can we help you guys, you know, enable your customers to buy and sell crypto? These types of things um, uh, and any combination and permutation of those that you can think of and then overlay that with stocks and other things that are coming down the line too. So, uh, but but you're, you're exactly right. Okay. So before we get to, and I know you're already sweating about the lightning round, so we'll, we'll just move quickly. We're going to get to that quickly. Don't worry. This is, you, got, you said you already had your seatbelt on. Where, what do you think? I mean, you've, you've experienced crypto winter in the past. Where do things need to go, need to go from here? What, what, what do crypto companies need to do in order to you know, kind of, quote unquote, weather the storm right now? And you know, how, how, where does success, what does success look like right now? 
Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, I, I feel sort of like a grizzled veteran of like the crypto <laughs> space. Uh, <laughs> the two-year-old yeah. crypto space, you are the veteran. Not, I mean, obviously That's, longer than that, but. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, I think that um, the number one thing um, is also sort of the thing that a lot of people try to not think about or, or, or get too involved with, but I think it's absolutely the most critical thing, and that's regulation, or yeah. the regulatory side of things. Um, you know, we're of the opinion that we want to be regulated. We want there to be very clear and very, you know, pragmatic and meaningful, you know, regulatory frameworks in place. And basically, you know, our view is like, you know, tell us what license you think we should have, and we'll go out and get it. Give us, give us some guidance here, right? Just don't make us, don't make us make it up on the fly. Just give us some guidance. Exactly. And, and I'm, I'm happy to say that as I sit before you right now, we are currently the most regulated, uh, the most licensed uh, crypto platform globally. Um, so our, our view is that, again, we want to be regulated and we feel that it's, it's, it's quite frankly, it's necessary. Yeah. Um, and it's the only way to have a sustainable, you know, uh, a coexistence of sort of the old world and the new world. And so that regulatory side of things, I think, is is cardinal among all the other things that I could possibly say here. So I was just thinking of in my mind's eye, and I had to laugh a little bit at the at the images I create in my brain about <laughs> some of the current United States senators trying to help formulate cryptocurrency regulations. Is makes my brain melt a little bit. <laughs> but but you know what? That's where it's going to have to get to, right? It's going to have to uh, have to be. A, I don't want to get too deep into the politics side, but uh, there is this transformative moment. I, I think you're right, and I think that it's at this point, um, whatever cliche you, you know, the genie's out of the you know, the cat's out of the bag, the genie's out of the bottle, whatever. Like um, people are. You can't unscramble that egg. You can't, exactly. <laughs> yes. I you had know. to throw one in. <laughs> perfect, perfect one right there. Uh, but like, if you look at the names and the brands that are getting into the space and like, not just getting in, but like building divisions around this stuff. Okay. Visa, MasterCard, Amex, right? Okay. Uh, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, you know, Goldman, uh, you know, Morgan Stanley, all the banks. Okay. The oldest insurance company in the country, you know, State Street. I mean, huge, huge institutions. Okay. And then you've got, you know, um, technology platforms like PayPal. Um, you've got Meta. You've got, um, you know, any number of other companies. I think, you know, Apple and Google have started talking about like crypto things, right? Like this is here to stay. You've got some big, well-financed industry behemoths getting on board. That's right. Does it shock you a little bit? I mean, does it kind of make you go, I mean, I heard about this from my cousin 10 years ago or, or however long, about 10 years ago when it was just like, eh, it's this guy's messing around with the digital currency. What the hell? And now you've got Citigroup getting into it. I mean, do, do you kind of, kind of shake your head a little bit? Like, wow. Yeah, it is. Um, what's the word? Uh, it feels uh, vindicating or uh, whatever, you know, um, there's, there's a better word for it that's not coming to me right now, but uh, it, it's just a great feeling validating or yeah, something yeah. like that. And the, one of my favorite examples is, you know, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of, um, uh, of JP Morgan, uh, a number maybe two, three years ago, something like that, uh, said that if he caught any of his traders trading Bitcoin, he'd fire them on the spot. Um, that was, you know, a few years ago. Now, JP Morgan is actually recommending an allocation to crypto for all of their clients. I guess it just kind of is a great analogy for the speed with which this market is moving and change associated with it. And CNNator, I think it's fair to say that you've got the tiger by the tail on this one. So thanks for spending some time with us, help breaking this all down and everything that. Before I let you go, like I said, we're going to do a quick 
lightning round. Just give me the first answer that comes to your mind for the okay. following questions. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. First one. Uh, you, as we discussed, walked on to the Cal football team. What sport would you walk on to now? Golf, if I could walk onto a golf team somehow. Very good, golf. Uh, what's the, excuse me, what's the one word you have for cryptocurrency naysayers? Patience. You once worked for Robinhood. Uh, so do you still have the little hat and green tights that go with that job? <laughs> Not as far as I can tell. Okay. Uh, you have a partnership with the Bradys. Um, how bright is the aura around Tom and Giselle? Otherworldly, and I think uh, uh, well-deserved. <laughs> Otherworldly, perfect. Uh, like we said, you've worked in sleep science. What's your best sleeping tip? You want a cool, dark, and quiet room. Cool, dark, and quiet. Sounds like sounds like a night out with Dave Almey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> you may have to edit that piece out. Uh, best place to grab a beer in Berkeley, California. Ah, there's this bar that I love right on Shattuck uh, called Jupiter. Uh, they got this great back uh, uh, sort of patio area with like little fires going. Really, really fun. Oh, place. good vibe. All right. I have to, we'll have to go grab a beer there. Um, use Larry David in your Super Bowl ad. How hard is it not to speak to him without using Larry David style inflections? Hey, you know, it's pretty, pretty, pretty tough. <laughs> okay, last one. And this is the hardest one. Can you pronounce FTX without using the individual letters? <laughs> I think that's going to be the new sound. I'm not, I'm not trading on FTX. I'm trading on FTX. <laughs> See you later. It's been a treasure. Thanks very much for spending the time. My pleasure. And thanks for having me, Dave. Thanks for listening to this ADC Partners podcast. For more information about ADC Partners, please visit our website at adcpartners.com.